When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He is a big member of AFL Nation, and he does some fine work for Phoenix Sports Management as well. Scotty Lucas, welcome. Morning, Sam. How did you see it last night? Well, you summed it up fairly well, uh, but I guess I'm uh, required to expand on that. But uh, look, the case was they were just—it was the third quarter, wasn't it? There was centre clearance, it was speed around the ball, mm. and they were just able to run them off their feet. Then they've got such a flexible forward line at the moment. Don't you've got? Dixon is the anchor, but the, then you've got that mobility and height of Finlayson and um, Marshall that are going very well at the moment. Then the smalls. So in the midfielders have pushed forward. So you've got mids that kick goals. So Rosie and Butters started their career as genuinely small forwards that pushed up in and around the ball at the fifth six. So they've got that inclination to put forward to push forward and score. And I think his butter's got their first goal, got them going after Geelong got a couple. So they're really well balanced at the moment. And I think the one area with Port they'd probably acknowledge is down back is their area of vulnerability. And we saw Geelong get hold of them early. But if you continue to win centre clearances at that sort of level, you protect your back line and you play the game in your forward half, and that's what they're able to do. Yeah, not downplaying the performance of Todd Marshall or Jeremy Finlayson, but you played forward for a long time. The way that ball was coming in last night, you would have been licking your chops, I reckon. Oh, yeah, look, you're quite right. Credit to those players that finished off the work, but they had enormous supply. The Geelong backs were under pressure. There wasn't a lot you can do. And as coaches will say time and time again, it's won or lost through the midfield. And if you're not winning clearance, you at least need to be able to slow the ball movement and, and make it dirty ball that's going in. And Geelong weren't able to do that. They just look a bit skinny through the midfield at the moment, Geelong. Uh, Guthrie out, of course, Selwood is retired. Dangerfield severely compromised um, from early in the game. So they just didn't have the bodies through there and Port were able to maximise that because, you know, you look at the addition, as we as I mentioned earlier, with Butters and Rosie Horn francis complementing Boak and um, Wines that are excellent mids, Drew. They've got a real depth through the midfield and Lysette's playing some good footy through the ruck. The game never ceases to amaze on a variety of fronts, Scotty, but there was a story out of the Brisbane Lions yesterday that I, I don't think we've ever seen, and it was put to us, obviously, by the coach, Chris Fagan, that Jack Gunston and Daniel Richard had come to him during the week and said, our form doesn't warrant selection, and um, we'll sit it out indefinitely and, and have a block of training until we can build back up and, and resume. Uh, what was your What was your thoughts on this? Well, it was certainly odd. I mean... Um I haven't heard of it before. Usually it's the domain of the match committee to select whether they think a, a player or a group of players are going well enough to warrant selection. Um, but it doesn't seem like the coach had too many arguments there, did it? So perhaps, <laughs> perhaps they jumped before they were pushed. Yeah. Look, I don't know. Um, and it seems strange in a sense. I mean, you look at it and you go, well, okay, the best way for form is to play at the, the level down, VFL. So... The Lions are a really strong VFL team. I think they lost their first game for the year on the weekend. So 
what does that mean in the sense of if you don't think that going back to the VFL is the best for you, you would think that they're in good condition. So it was a funny, like a training block. Well, how does that help them get their form back and get back into the team? Yeah. And and I'm also surprised, Sam, often you'll hear clubs, you know, they have an idea who their 22 or 25 is. And if those players are in that, then you look to quite often – um, see them through a form slump, which is not uncommon when you get older. It's hard to maintain that consistency of performance. But um, so I was really surprised on a number of levels to see that. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, that was one I've never ever seen that, and a lot of people saying it's hard to hard to believe. But I don't mind your theory; it might be spot on. So Trent Koch in Game Three Hundred, Scotty, I mean, you played alongside some great leaders and captains, and from afar, he would appear to have played a massive role in shifting, you know, the whole direction of this club, Trent Koch, and he gets to three hundred this weekend. It's a huge effort, and he's had a. I won't say a, he's in. Really good form. I mean, there were some questions early in the year. He was made sub, etc. But I think his last month, his form's been really strong in and around the midfield last week. I reckon it started in the, the Dreamtime game against Essendon where he had a really high level of work rate, kick goals as a half forward. And that's continued on. Great leader. Hard to argue. I mean, I don't have the answer, but um, how many three-times premiership captains are there? Mm. Hodgie, him, uh, not many others. Uh, it's just an outstanding no, effort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Selwood played in yeah. them, perhaps only captained the one. I, know, I reckon Michael Tuck would have got Vossie. three or four, possibly. Mm. Fossey. Yeah, but to win that, I mean, you look at it in isolation, Sam. To win that many premierships, I look on with absolute envy. But to be the captain and the figurehead of your club, and you can't underestimate that from where Richmond came from and then really made a concerted difference to change with the way that they played and that selfless aspect, unselfish team football led by him and uh, Damien Hardwick. It's uh, an enormous career that he's had. Hey, Scotty, just the six games this week, given that the buyers are upon us, of course, but I want to take you to tomorrow night, and it's Richmond and St Kilda, a real crossroad game this one. Richmond appear to be coming again under Andrew McQualter, and some people saying, hey, the Saints might have been figured out. I'm not sure if we're looking for cracks that aren't there, but this is a big, big game in the context of both club seasons. Oh, a huge game. I mean, with Richmond's position, they need to keep winning. Uh, they're up against it because it's the case where they've got to keep winning. They'll have a, you know, they'll little, hit a little roadblock at some stage. And if it costs them a win or two, well, then that's done. But mm. they live in hope at the moment. Uh, the Saints, I mean, they play really solid game style. They were good last week. I mean, their game style, it was an ugly game, but... Saints are happy. They don't mind. They're happy to play like that. And they got the win. Uh, they'll go in. I think they'll be really hard to beat tomorrow night, St Kilda. And, uh, you know, Hawthorne got them. A couple of games, they were a little bit down. But port aside, the evenness of the season is such that you, you can have those little ups and downs. And whereas in past seasons, you have a down, you can still win. Mm. Really difficult to win now. I mean, we look at, Hawthorne now and where they are on the ladder but how they're performing, they've got good performances in them. Um, so it's really, it's an even comp. So you need to be on your game. Ah, sure do, and it sure is. Uh, the other hat you wear, of course, uh, the player management one, Scotty. Obviously, the buy period is when a lot of conversations take place and I guess a, a lay of the land gets sorted out. I know we're in the middle of it at the moment, but how do you see this year's trade period coming up? You know, if uh, it, it, frenzy is at one end of the scale and tumbleweeds is at the other, where do, where do you see it at this early stage? Look, it's uh, 
it's been reported. It's not, you know, uh, a lot of the free agents have signed up previously mm. uh, as almost pre-agents and so forth. But but I think the a- aspect that may or can lead to a strong off-season in that space is the fact that we're in the midst of a CBA negotiation at the moment. You would expect that there'll be an uplift in payments. So with that and uh, with the floor set of having... Clubs are going to have additional money available to spend. So you might have a free agent that gets offered X at his existing club. With that extra money, perhaps it's X plus an extra 150 elsewhere that gets some movement going. Whereas we saw through COVID, it was slightly quieter because clubs... um, cap was really, uh, it was a hard cap, it was locked in, and then there was deferred payments. So there wasn't a a lot of room going forward. It was very flat in terms of increases, and it did decrease. So that was the reason for that. With an increase in money, which we expect over this year, next year, clubs will have some money to spend, and that always creates interest in the market. Scotty, great to talk to you, mate. Um, Appreciate your insights. uh, Reviewing last night and what is still to come this weekend and the player movement space beyond that, which, as we know, is uh, the source of a lot of intrigue come the end of the season. Have yourself a good weekend, mate. We'll speak soon. Thanks, Sam. Cheers.